And this morning we're continuing our series, which is called Spot the Difference. And uh, if you have missed any, this is the fourth week of it. If you missed any, they're all available on our website, or you can download them, iHarvest.org. And uh, if you were here last week, you would have heard Ben's talk where he was talking about how people can sometimes take the Word of God or take the message or take the words of their pastor and kind of hold them up like that and think, oh, yes, that's, that's very interesting, those things that you said, and then choose to throw them away and just to kind of view them as something to be taken or to be left. And Ben very demonstratively illustrated that actually what God calls us to do is to really dive in to the Word of God. And so this morning, I'm going to start by praying and uh, asking God to help us not to be those people who just hold out God's Word or hold up the message and, and kind of look at it and think, oh, interesting exegesis there, or I liked his, his illustration or whatever it might be, but to be those people who say, God, I want you to speak into my life, and I'm going to say yes to what you say this morning. And while we're here this morning, if we are willing to do that, then God will meet us and will add something to our lives today, here, now. So shall we pray? Say, Lord, would you help us this morning to receive your word? We thank you, God, for the power of your blood, that it can take the hardest things, the hardest hearts, the most fixed thinking, the most determined lives, and make them soft and make them malleable, and change them. And this morning, Lord, we don't want to be observers of your word. We want to be receivers of your word. And we want your word to change us and to speak into our lives. Lord, we ask you to do that this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as I said, this morning we're continuing our series, which is called Spot the Difference. And This series is all about the difference that Jesus made to principally his disciples, his 12, those who followed him, and enabled them to do, well, the kind of things that Jesus did. I suppose, you know, if we had Jesus physically here this morning, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? You know, I'd I'd happily, you know, take my seat and, you know, uh, make way for, for Jesus, and it would probably help, wouldn't it, when we were, if we were inviting people and say, oh, you should come to church this morning. Yeah, um, Jesus is going to be there in person. You know, that would be quite a draw, wouldn't it? And those people who are sometimes, oh, should I come to church? When you hear that Jesus is going to be here this morning, maybe that's not going to be one of those meetings you choose to miss. And that would, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? You know, to have Jesus here standing on this stage and speak, you wouldn't mind if it got past, you know, half past 12. You'd forget about the chicken in the oven and it's going to, you know, get a bit dried out because, hey, it's Jesus. But I suppose even if Jesus was here, I mean, we're kind of limited in terms of the capacity of the building, aren't we? You know, we could fit two or 300 people in, really. And, uh, you know, we could probably fit some more in, you know, do a quick risk assessment, presence of Son of God here. I think we can squeeze a few more people in, think he'll cover it if anything goes wrong. But there's probably, there's, there's a kind of finite number of people who could be here. And there's probably still some people who wouldn't come, who would kind of think, oh, yeah, no, but I'm doing this. And, uh, you know, I've got to catch up with uh, something on the telly and um, I'm having my lie-in on Sunday morning or whatever it might be. So even if we had Jesus here, there'd still be some limitations. Actually, what might be better was if we could take 
like Jesus' teaching and, and his spirit and his power and his authority and his character and his presence. Actually, if we could take all of that and put it into everyone who was seated here and then send us all out, and that way we can connect with those people, couldn't we, who, who aren't going to come out of their homes. And we could greatly increase the capacity of the, you know, the number of people who could receive the message that Jesus wants to bring. And uh, we, could, you know, we could set up this team and we could call it something like, oh yes, the church. Because that is what this series is about. And that is what Jesus was doing when he was on earth. He was training and equipping his 12 to do all the things that he was doing, but to carry it on after he had gone and to take it beyond the, the geographic realms of you know, this small place in the Middle East, to take it to the ends of the earth. And this series is all about what needed to change in the disciples to get them to that point, and also what needs to change in us to enable that to happen. So we're going to look at a passage in the Bible. We're going to look in uh, an account in Mark chapter 5. We're going to read about Jesus' interaction with a woman. But in doing so, the filter through which we're reading this is about the disciples and what they have to learn through this. So we're going to read Mark chapter 5 and start reading from verse 21. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples asked, and, and answered, and you, yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So in this account that we read, we meet a couple of people and some interesting contrasts, actually. So we meet a woman who has had something for 12 years, a sickness, that she's desperate to get rid of. And we meet a man who's had something for 12 years, his daughter, that he's desperate to keep hold of. And for both of them, Jesus is their hope. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one they believe who can meet their needs. But then there is another group in this account that we need to focus on this morning. And that's the disciples. Because they weren't just there to make up the numbers. They weren't just kind of hanging around in the background waiting for Jesus to move on to the next place. Certainly not from Jesus' point of view. They were there because Jesus wanted to teach them something. It's a bit like um, sometimes you get, I believe, in, in hospitals when there's surgery going on and things like that. There, there might be some, some kind of people there who are observing what's going on. 
And it's not that the NHS is so hard up that they've started selling tickets for surgery, although the NHS is short of money, but I don't think it's quite got that desperate. And personally, I can't imagine anything worse than having to watch an operation and actually pay good money for it. Um, there, although I, I, I'm surprised, actually, in this kind of digital multi-channel age that we haven't yet got like an operation channel, a hospital channel, where you can watch, uh, you know, surgery and things like that. You know, tonight on Sky Surgery, uh, Dr. Khan versus Ted in triple heart bypass. It's, you know, it's, it's sure to come. Hey, guys, I've, uh, I've got some beers in. Do you want to come and watch the big colonoscopy happening tonight? It'd be great. You know, the husband and wife there watching telly, oh, Martin, will you get me a cup of tea? I'm watching the big operation. It's only the anesthetic. It hasn't probably started yet. Anyway, the, you know, the, but the people watching the surgery are not there just for entertainment value. They're there to learn something so they can do it. And similarly, Jesus' disciples are here, and they need to be observing, and they need to be watching, and they need to be learning, because Jesus' expectation is you too are going to have to do this soon. So there are some things that they need to get here. And there are three things that I want to talk about this morning that I've identified that they need to understand if they are going to reproduce what Jesus is doing. And uh, the first one I've called command. First one I've called command. And it's about authority. So at this point in Mark's gospel, if we were to, you know, just as we're reading it through, we've already seen Jesus exercising his authority over uh, in a kind of spiritual way. So we've seen him speak to the wind and the waves and to then to be silenced. We've seen him speak to demons and them to flee. Jesus is somebody who has authority. And the disciples have seen this. But this is a really important principle. And it's a reflection of the fact that when Jesus came, the kingdom of God came in a really powerful way. And the kingdom of God, it it, uh, describes, I suppose, where Jesus has authority, where Jesus is the king. And in some ways, it's a bit like the idea of, of, uh, you know, an enclave or a a place in a country which belongs to another country. I suppose a classic example would be during the Cold War, um, Berlin was part of East Germany, which was kind of uh, part of the Soviet Union, affiliated to uh, kind of Russia and the, um, the communists, whereas um, West Germany was affiliated with, with the West, with uh, America and NATO allies. But Berlin was in East Germany. But Berlin itself was split into two parts. There was West Berlin and East Berlin. And East Berlin was affiliated with East Germany. And West Berlin was affiliated with West Germany. So you have within East uh, Germany this kind of whole area, which is part of the Soviet Union, but slap bang in the middle of it, is Berlin and West Berlin, this place which has a different kind of authority structure and a different kind of government. And there's an element to which the kingdom of God operates like that. So it's kind of like, if I can just grab a bit of chalk from my bag. So it's kind of a little bit like Jesus getting a bit of chalk and drawing a circle on the ground. I really hope this comes off again. And saying, you know, in this circle, in the sphere of this, no matter what's going on around, I have authority. The kingdom of God 
has authority. You know, what goes on here, you know, what I say goes, no matter what goes on around here. Except it's like that a little bit, but it's also not like that. Because really what Jesus does is he throws the chalk away and he picks the circle up. And now there's like different rules because what Jesus does is says, wherever I go, that's where the kingdom of God goes. And I bring the authority of the kingdom. So I can hold up my authority and I can say to the wind and the waves, be stilled in the name of Jesus. And I can come in over situations and circumstances and I can bring the kingdom of God and the authority of God and say, demons flee in the name of Jesus. Jesus said that if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come to you. Luke 11, verse 20. And Jesus can even kind of take it and put it over people and say, you know, the authority of God is coming at work in your life. Be healed in the name of Jesus. So this is something that the disciples have to understand about authority. So it's kind of like, you know, I could say to the, the team at the back there, can you, can you do something with the lights? Can you turn the lights on or turn the lights off? See, we speak and something happens. And there's you know, times where we do that, where we pray and we ask God to do something and it's like the light switch is turned on in heaven and there is an immediate answer to prayer. That's great. Now, can you turn this light on? No. Okay, so we've got a problem. So there's something else. To turn this light on, well, we're going to have to connect this plug. So, Jared, I wonder whether you could grab that extension cable so if, I, if you take that plug there to the back. So sometimes we can just say a word and it can happen. But other times there needs to be a physical connection. And so this is our second principle and our second thing that the disciples need to understand. And I've called it uh, connect. Connect. So, like I said, sometimes we see Jesus speaking authoritatively and things happen. But other times we see a connection that the power of God is released from Jesus into people's lives through a physical connection. And this is one of the things that the disciples need to understand here. This is something different that they need to get, something new. Although it's not really something new, I suppose... What we're seeing here is the kind of blurring of the lines between the physical and the spiritual, between what happens, I suppose, in the physical realm and on earth, and what is about what's inside us and our connection with God. And, and, and kind of what's going on here is, is a, a blurring of the lines, if you want, because Jesus is physically touching the woman that we read about in the passage, but something is spiritually happening to her. There is a spiritual power released into her lives. But actually, this whole kind of blurring of physical and spiritual isn't necessarily a new thing. We see it throughout the Bible. So in the book of Exodus, for example, when Israel is going into battle, God says to Moses, I want you to lift your arms up. And when your arms are lifted up, you're going to win the battle. But when your arms go down, then you start losing the battle. And so Moses gets Aaron and her to hold his arms up. Now, you know, in the history of modern warfare, I haven't come across this as a technique, that there is something really scary about, you know, men's armpits maybe, or something like that. You know, 
there's something spiritual going on here. Because God says to Moses, I want you to do this, when he does it, there is spiritual help for Israel to win the battle. When it, they're there. So what happens in the physical affects what goes on in the spiritual. We see this again in the Old Testament. An example would be the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. There's accounts where the Ark travels and comes into people's homes and into contact with people, the power of God is released. So Obed-Edom owns a house and the ark comes to rest in the house and the blessing of God comes to him. There is a connection between the physical and the spiritual. And Jesus demonstrates this most of all because Jesus is the, the ultimate blurring of the lines because here you have God, who is spirit, coming to earth as a human. Physical meets spiritual, boom, and it's all messed up. And the disciples need to understand that there is something that God does through a physical connection that can impart the power of God. It can impart the power of God. And we see this elsewhere in the New Testament. We see people laying on hands and and kind of healing and impartation. It's described by the writer of Hebrews as as a kind of basic doctrine that we need to understand and also something that we need to be careful about because there is real spiritual power. Paul says to Timothy, you need to fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. And when we read Mark's gospel, it's um, kind of on the whole, when we see uh, Jesus encounter kind of wind and waves and demons and stuff like that, he speaks a word of authority. But time and time again, when he comes to heal people, there is some sort of physical contact, whether it's touching their eyes or their ears or just taking their hands. And this is something the disciples need to understand. And the other people in the, in the account we read understand it. So the man, Jairus, he comes to Jesus and says, if I can just get Jesus to touch my daughter, she will be healed. And the woman, she understands it because she says, if I just take hold of his clothes, I will be healed. But the disciples, they haven't quite got it. Jesus says to them, well, you know, who touched me? And they're like, uh, Jesus, uh, there's lots of people around here. Lots of people will touch you. They don't understand what he's talking about. But like they say, lots of people touch them. Why is it that this woman receives her healing? So we've got the command, we've got the authority, we've got the connection. But for this woman to be healing, there is a, a third ingredient that is needed to turn the light on. Can we flick the switch at the back now? There we go. And that third ingredient is confidence, or if you like, faith or belief. Because what that woman had was faith. How do we know she had faith? Well, two reasons. One, because she says it. She says, if I just do this, then Jesus will heal me. But actually, it's not just because she said it, it's because she did it. That's how we really know she had faith. It's easy to say, oh, yes, I believe Jesus did this. But when we know what we really believe by what we do, and the fact that this woman reached out with all the baggage she had, you know, how she was ceremonially unclean and how she'd been rejected by her people, and she was willing to get into that crowd and reach out to Jesus. And that's how we know that she had faith, because she received her healing. And sometimes it's about the person who needs help, like that woman. Sometimes it's about somebody on behalf of someone else, like the dad who comes to Jesus for help on behalf of his daughter. He's got the faith. Sometimes it's about the person who's doing the praying, having faith, and trying to kind of pass some of that on to the person. 
But these are three principles that the disciples need to get. They need to understand about command, about connect, and about confidence. So did they get it? Did they learn the lesson? Did they understand? Well, we can look in Acts chapter 3, where Jesus has um, gone, where he has kind of given his last orders to his church, where the church is in their early days and are starting to do exactly the things that Jesus did. And we're going to read in Acts chapter 3 and verses 1 to 9. One day, Peter and John, so these are two of Jesus' disciples, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. There's an interesting aside there, which is a different sermon, but the fact that he was there every day to beg, you know, raises the possibility that Jesus had seen this man and had left him for Peter and John. But that's a different sermon for a different time about being the right people in the right time in the right place. He, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So let's check our list. You know, here are the disciples ministering to this man. Do we see the command. Yes, absolutely, we do. You know, Peter looks at this man and speaks with authority in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Be healed. Do we see connection? Yes, we do. Peter leans over and takes this man's hand. Do we see confidence? Absolutely. Peter reaches out his hand for this man, believing that he's going to get up. You know, this is a cripple. If he doesn't get up and walk at this point, then he's going to fall in this place. He's going to be in a worse situation than he was when he started. In other words, they got it. They understood these principles. So Jesus does it. The disciples get it. They learn it. So then the only question is, what about us? Can we learn this lesson? Can we get this? Can we get it? Because you know what? We have that power. Jesus, when he talks about the power going out of him, he uses a word, it's Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word uh, dynamism from. It's where we get the word dynamite from. And it's exactly the same word he uses when he commissions his disciples and say, you will receive power. You will receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have that power that went out from Jesus and into this woman. You know, when the Holy Spirit fills us, when we're living spirit-filled lives, when we rely on God, we too can experience that power. And you know what? We too have that authority. So Paul in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 20 and 21, talks about how God raised Jesus from the dead and sat him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all the power, all the authority, every name. Jesus is in that highest place. He says, Jesus is in that place of authority. But then he goes on in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, and he says, and he has raised us up with 
Christ and seated us in heavenly realms with him. In other words, we are in that same place of spiritual authority as believers in Jesus. So we've got the power. We've got the authority. So connect confidence. Are we willing to connect with people? Are we willing to get where people are at? You know what? It's great to pray for people. We can pray for people at a distance. We can pray for people in other nations. But there is something special when we are able to get in a room with someone and to be with them, to talk face to face, and to really connect with them and to pray for them. And, you know, there's been times I've prayed for people who aren't believers and and sort of asked that. I said, all right, if I put my hand on you, you know, this is something Jesus did, not in a kind of weird way, just to, you know, put a hand on on their arm or taking their hand, because there's something significant about that, that physical connection that brings spiritual power. But even just getting in a room with someone is really, really powerful when we carry the power and the presence of God in our lives. So are we willing to get with people? And then finally, can we believe that God can work through me in the way that he worked through Jesus, in the way that he worked through the disciples to bring healing, to bring provision, to bring salvation, to bring life, to bring hope, to bring the presence of God into people's lives. That's what we need to get this morning. And so by way of response, I just want to encourage a very simple response. And it's that this, it's, are we willing? Are we willing to be those people who, you know, get filled with the Holy Spirit and have the power of God at work in our lives? Are we willing to be those people who accept the authority that God has given us as believers? Are we willing to be those people who will connect with people? Are we willing to be those people who will put their trust in God to come to Him? I'd like to invite us to stand. Just helps us to respond if we change our posture. And if you're willing this morning, let me just encourage you to say to God, I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. Lord, we want to pray this morning that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us afresh. So the power of God would come on us, Lord, in a way where, you know, we're just so aware that we have what people need today. Lord, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, with that dynamite, dynamic power of God. Yeah, Lord, and I want to pray. I want to pray for mindsets that need to change. Lord, I want to pray for the mindset that says, little old me. I want to pray for the mindset that says, I can't and not me. I want to pray against any mindset that would come against the authority of the Word of God in our lives that is contrary to where you have us in the spiritual realms. Lord, that everything is beneath our feet and that there is nothing on top of us. Lord, and I want to pray in the name of Jesus that you change mindsets this morning. In Jesus' name, Lord, that you would powerfully just erase wrong thinking and write your truth on our minds this morning. That we would know, that we would understand, that we would have conviction that I am in that heavenly place, that I am with Jesus, that I do not have to be under the circumstances, but they are under me because all power, all authority, every name is beneath my feet this morning. 
And Lord, we want to pray, God, for open doors to connect with people. Lord, that you've heard that prayer that says, yes, Lord, I am willing. And so, Lord, we want to pray that you would open doors for us to really connect with people today, this week. Lord God, in the week ahead, Lord, we want to pray for open doors to connect with people, both getting face-to-face with them, but actually to pray powerfully for them. Pray for healing to pray for salvation, to pray for deliverance into people's lives. Lord, would you open the door that enables that physical connection that brings spiritual power and spiritual release. Lord, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord. Yeah, Lord, where, Lord, where our, our faith needs a charge, needs a jumpstart, needs a boost, Lord God. Would you, would you do that? Would you add something to us, Lord God? Would you help us to be willing, not just here and now, but there and then? Lord God, when we're in that place, where we're in that place of connection, to, just as Peter did, to speak out with faith and with confidence, this is what God has laid on my heart and on my spirit. Lord, would you help us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to thank you for the privilege of being called to be those, Lord, who take your heart and your mind, who take your character, who take your power and your presence out into the world. Lord, to be your arms and your legs, to be your mouth and your ears. Lord, we thank you for that incredible privilege. Lord, we pray that you would help us to step up to the plate this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.